And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, joined today by the great Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you are sick. Uh, we we discussed this a little bit on Poke the Bear, but you've got it's what? You got... It's, fuck, it's fucking rude. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about this at all. All right, let's move on. Uh, no, respiratory infection. You've got a sinus infection. You have gotten just absolutely crushed by this this illness. Yeah, it's not great, Evan. You know, I stubbed my toe as well. Stepped on a Lego. Got a hangnail. It's 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 a fucking rough time, let me tell you. But you know what? We're trucking through. It's a busy time of the year. The trade deadline is what two weeks away. We got we it gotta get start talking some hockey here. Even if my voice runs out. Even I have to start like just typing in responses or something like that. I'll have a little whiteboard. I'll read them. And I'll, respond. I'll read them. Yes, exactly. We'll make it work. We'll make it work, Evan. He said. Uh, he said trade for Sidney Crosby. Uh, trade Patra Lowry uh, next year's first for Sidney Crosby. That's what Connor's saying. I can't right. believe he's saying that. He said trade Linus Olmark. Oh my know. god. I, I am a. Uh, I am Petrov Maguire. Yes, I'm a big Sidney Crosby to the Bruins. Uh, uh, stand so I don't know if I uh, maybe I've said this on here before and forgive me if I have but my favorite Petrov Maguire related thing was I remember one time Patrick Donnelly uh, was like are you Petrov Maguire and I was like no and he's like I've always thought you were Petrov and I'm like no I'm not creative enough I'm not funny enough to, to do that uh, so no Petrov is in a league of his own I'm, I'm not uh, yes. I'm not Pet- I wish I was Petrov Maguire but uh, unfortunately um, I am not I think maybe I've said that on this podcast before. Maybe I haven't. But good to see you're doing better. Good to see that the voice is coming back. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing great. Doing perfect. Um, we're gonna start from an area that uh isn't on the ice, it's more off the ice. Um, story came out on I wanna say it was like it was Thursday uh, from Thursday. Chad Finn with uh, the Globe. Uh, Nesson's Jack Edwards opens up about his speech issues, saying he is fine medically and puzzled himself. Uh, Jack said, uh, I did not have some kind of accident. I do not have cancer. I don't have dementia. I didn't haven't had a stroke. All of that's been confirmed by Mass General Neurology. They've done tests that seem like I'm going through some sort of science fiction scene, but it's really true. The images of my brain literally reveal nothing. That's my joke with them. I like how all through this article, Jack kind of keeps that like, like he's, he's making fun of his own situation, which I thought was enjoyable. Um, He said, it doesn't fit in any slot. There have been a couple of guesses, but they haven't made a definitive diagnosis. And they've been working on me for over a year and a half. It's very frustrating, as you can imagine, for me to have this slowdown in my speech. He realized it um, during the annual reading of the Declaration of Independence in 2022 um, that he was having trouble forming sentences and getting words out. Um, And the the article goes on to kind of detail. He has to go through like speech therapy every day and he does warm ups when he when he isn't calling games. Um, And he's 66 and a half years old, which Jack. I mean, I, I don't know if people realize that Jack is is getting up there in age. I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, super old, but I feel like a lot of people would assume like, you know, fifties, he's 66 and a half. Um, and he mentioned how Andy Brickley has been great to him and, and, um, that, you know, he's Nesson hasn't talked to him apparently about this. Uh, there was a lot in this story. I think one of the biggest things though, first of all, I'm glad nothing actually is wrong yet with Jack. I think we're all yeah. happy that it was, I mean, you know, it wasn't a stroke. It wasn't a, an accident. Um, this 
seems hopefully curable. Um, I don't think it's any secret. I mean, Jack has sounded this way for a while. I mean, it's been a couple of years now where, uh, you know, he has had a difficult time on broadcasts and, you know, we never talked about it because you don't know, you don't want to speculate on someone's public on, on their health. You know, you don't want to publicly do that. Um, but I, I, you know, it's been around for a little while here and it's, first of all, it's good to hear that he's doing better, but I'm curious what your reaction kind of was to this. Yeah, no, obviously echo what you said that, um, the most important thing is that, um, doesn't seem like it's anything medical, as you said, um, no stroke or cancer or anything else like that. So that's without a doubt, the most important thing. Um, it's not something else like that. It's uh, hindering his ability. Um, and yeah, I mean, from looking at that piece and, you know, it was, you know, I think good for Jack for uh, being very candid about it. And I think a uh, really good piece from, from Chad, you know, getting mm -hmm. those questions across and, um, you know, talking about both what he's currently dealing with in his future and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know what the, you know, what the future holds in terms of, you know, the, the broadcast or, or Jack or what the overall plan is. I won't speculate on that. Um, the most, you know, my number one takeaway is one that he's, he's, healthy and that's the most important thing but two um you know i, I know jack is could be a uh divisive uh probably broadcaster bit. i think even during his heyday even during his heyday um that was probably drew a lot of uh uh back and forth whether you like his, his kind of style but he's also has been, been kind of the soundtrack to a lot of bruins fans some of their better moments for the last you know almost over two decades right almost two decades um during this era so one you most importantly you wish him well and i think the most important thing from like you know my limited time of of speaking with jack and talking with him is that he is a extremely passionate hockey fan loves the bruins i think really loves the fans you know loves chatting with people after a game talking hockey um and i think in this sport especially there's a lot of people who do this year in year out where it almost becomes just second nature as to how you approach this or the situation you're in where you, know, you can kind of take it for granted, right. Of, you know, you know, I've been covering the team for a while. We've both been covering sports for a while. Like, Oh yeah. My job involves going to rinks, talking to hockey players, stuff like that. That's all yep. well and good. That's, you know, part of it, part of the gig. But I think it's always important to kind of keep yourself grounded as to, you know, how fortunate we are to be in, to be in this position and I think Jack throughout his career has never lost sight of that. I think that's something that's really important um, to have. And he's someone who's been very appreciative of what um, what opportunity he's in, the, the platform he has. And, and so for me, again, the most important thing, I think, is, you know, stressing that, one, he's okay. And that's, without a doubt, that then comes to the forefront here. But I think when you can peel back the discourse over you know jack and whether you like him as a broadcaster or not um he's the guy who i think takes his job very seriously is very passionate about it doesn't lose sight of where it is and i think in this media field where i think that can be taken for granted a lot of times sometimes it's worth kind of celebrating people who who don't lose sight of that thing so i wish jack well um whatever the kind of the future holds and hopefully he's able to uh, correct this uh, in the near future I couldn't agree more. I think the interesting thing with Jack that, you know, it's it's great when there are the professional 
or no, I don't want to say professional, but uh, so, okay. For instance, when Alex Faust comes and does games, Alex, Alex Faust is terrific. I think we all agree that Alex Faust is awesome. Yeah. And Northeastern grad local kid. I, I don't know this for a fact, but must be a brewery. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about the bean pot. No, we, we, I know. We, we I you see the Owen Keith thing. Did you see the Owen what? Keith thing? Jer- Jerry's son, um, Jerry Keith's son uh, was committed to BU, but was uh, recently committed to Northeastern instead. He was at the Bean Pot, or he watched the Bean Pot, and he's like, damn, that looks really fun over with Northeastern with my dad. I want to play for them. And I got a kick out of that. I'm like, wow, Northeastern got another win out of the Bean Pot. Um, but I think an interesting thing, back to the, the Jack discourse, um, with Jack, as you said, he's always been divisive. There's been obviously opposing fans are not the biggest fans of Jack. There's a section of Bruins fans who would rather have someone a little more polished on air. And, you know, I think the polish is great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, it's professional, easy to listen to all that stuff. What I like Jack for is he brings the passion in November, December, January, some of the months where the games can just kind of be average games on the schedule. Bruins, Predators, January 11th, 7 p.m. on like a Monday like or Tuesday. And Jack brings it. Like to me, that's always been why I've liked Jack is that he brings it. He always brings it. And yes, he says some outlandish things. Um, you see the quotes on Twitter. Jack Edwards Sands context. It's great. Um, Petrov McGuire. That's a, that's a Petrov again, McGuire staple. Another Petrov McGuire staple with the with the guy at the baseball game, like was was bringing the girls here. Any Jack Edwards statement, and I like that. Um, but I think that's something that people are going to miss when Jack does decide to retire. Um, you know, I I know that Jack does love to insert his opinions and things and and stuff like that. But I like the passion. I like that he brings it. Um, and even even on away goals, he like I don't it doesn't get talked about enough. When the away team scores, he brings energy to it. Like as if you're if, if if it's a Bruins fan calling the game who's mad but really into the game. Like, oh, they just score. Like, whereas you listen to some other opposing broadcasters, uh, opposing team yeah. broadcasters, and there is no call when the away team scores. It's just, oh, and they score. Like, I want someone who's so invested in the game that you're feeling the ebbs and the flows with them. Um, and so again, the polish route is awesome. At some point, Nesson will bring in someone for Jack, um, you know, whenever that might be, and they'll be polished and terrific, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But the the uniqueness to that, that Jack brings to the game, I've always enjoyed, um, and I hope he gets better. But, yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, it's hard to ignore. Like, he has slowed down. Um, but mm-hmm. hopefully these therapies um, and this works. I'm glad he finally spoke out about it. Because it's yes. every night on Twitter, if you search Jack Edwards, that's constantly talked about. People talk about it. And it's good that he finally addressed it. I didn't catch the the opening monologue um, against Calgary. So I, I don't know if he addressed it or not. Um, but I think it's good that he did. I think it was, it was you know, I am glad that he did. Because um, as I said, it's been talked about for mm. quite a bit of time. So we're happy that Jack is doing better. Um, and that, and that, uh, hopefully better days are ahead for, uh, for Jack. But, uh, anyways, real quick, quick word from our sponsor. Quick break in the show to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet 
wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the conversation. So the Bruins have been out in Western Canada, uh, Edmonton, Calgary. Um, you know, it's been a an interesting start two overtime games uh in two straight nights i can't imagine people slept very well uh after those um a lot of ot a lot of ot Uh, but i will give the bruins this so the calgary game was tough you know a tough overtime loss but even though they blew that lead in edmonton 4-1 in the third period hard to justify that jeremy swayman was not at his best uh there were some definite holes they still won they still found a way to win in Edmonton, and I give them that. Um, again, I think if they lose both those Edmonton and Calgary games, we're saying a lot of different things. We're highlighting the negatives more. Um, but I will give it to them. They pulled it out. And it's felt like this whole year, this team, even when they're shorthanded, even when they've got a bunch of young guys in their bottom six, and the top six still isn't fully figured out, and you have injuries to the left side on defense – they go in and beat Edmonton, one of the hottest teams in the league. Like, I, to me, it's impressive how they still just kind of find ways to win. I'll give it to them. Yeah, it's kind of tough to even put a full gauge on this team. Like, I think we can all definitively say, Evan, the Bruins are a good team. We can say that. But can it, we? It's, it's, you know, yes, I think we can. I think we can make that bold proclamation here. But no, I agree. It's like you, you go through this extended stretch here where it seems like nothing's going your way. You're playing down to certain opponents, um, not able to get the the winning plays needed, a full 60-minute effort, all that stuff, all those cliches. And then, as you said, they come out and beat Edmonton on the road after a game that seemed like it was going way south for them, right? Like you blow a 4-1 lead, um, you're able to come back winning in overtime. Um, they just seem to have a knack for stepping up in those critical situations and delivering uh, when needed. So... Again, it's what we've talked about all this time before. This team always seems to – there's been very few games where we've kind of circled them on the calendar and, and they don't show up. Like, they've had they've had no shows, right? We look at, like, the Calgary game here, the Seattle game here, a couple of them. But, like, you look at, like, this game, you look at the Vancouver Connects game at home. Um, and quite a few times, like, when uh, the Panthers have been here, all that stuff. Um there's been a lot of times where the Bruins have really kind of stepped up when needed. And you hope that kind of translates to when the games actually matter in April and May. I agree with you. Um, and it's interesting because uh, with, with, with the way they're playing, I think the, the road trip has come at the perfect time. They needed this road trip after that terrible homestand to go out West, you know, be on the road, go out, have fun, play those teams uh, you know, kind of come together. I think it came at the perfect time. Um, and I, I just, to me, like 
and, and this kind of hits at the deadline stuff, right? They almost play better when they're shorthanded. Like they always kind of just squeak ways out to win. And they didn't have to do that a lot last year. Last year, there were a lot of easy cakewalk games. Your roster was better than the other teams. If the first line didn't step up, the second and third lines did. If the first line, if the first line did step, you know, the second line didn't step up, the first line would, whatever. Um, but this year, it's, you know, it's been, it, they're good shorthanded. And I give them that. Uh, obviously, you want to beat Calgary um, on, on Thursday. You would have liked to have had that. Um, but again, you know, Coyle, finally gets the monkey off his back. He's been playing great, but hasn't been scoring. He gets two goals. Um, really thought McAvoy had a goal there in overtime. And then Lowry hit yeah. the crossbar, which was wild, which yeah. was wild. I want to talk about Lowry, and I want to talk about the deadline. Um, but first, quick words from our friends over at Factor Meals. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. There's snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, and they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and ready to eat, and there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So head to factormeals.com slash Bruins50 and use code Bruins50 to get 50% off. That's code Bruins50 at factormeals.com slash Bruins50 to get 50% off. Now, back to the show. So factor, oh, factor meals. <laughs> I started by talking about factor meals. Factor meals is great. I agree. Factor meals is terrific. This is the entire second half of this podcast. Yes, we're talking factor meals the whole second. My half personal favorite is the chorizo chili oven. But well, there you go. I yeah, it, yeah. I mean, we could go back and forth on our favorite factor meals for forever, but uh, we will we will stick to hockey in the second half. <laughs> factor meals is just in my head. I couldn't help it. Um, Mason Lowry. I don't know how I got factor meals and Mason Lowry confused, but here we are. Uh, Mason Lowry, three assists. Up. He does. Yeah. He needs to eat some more factor meals. I agree. Um, Mason Lowry, uh, three assists against Edmonton steps in, kind of comes in last minute after Lindholm's injury. He's forced West. Um, and then you have Grizzly go down in that game. So low and Lowry was on the ice for that, like three minute and 40 second shift. Yeah. I think that was like in the second period. I don't know how on that shift. They didn't either give up a goal, take a penalty. I mean, they like they just and Edmonton only had really like one good chance in that whole sequence, if memory serves. Like it was a lot of perimeter stuff. Yeah. Um, Carlo and Lowry just kind of kept guys to the outside. It was almost a blessing you had those two on the ice because they're two of your biggest uh guys with, with good sticks. So um Lowry through two games has looked pretty good. Um, and you know, it is it's an interesting time for him to come up because as we've talked about. The left side on D with Forbert, he's struggled since returning. Um, Grizzlick's, you know, banged up. Lindholm's out for the foreseeable future. Um, this kind of is a good path for Lowry to come in and get a real shot. Um, do you think he can 
he can stay? Because I know there was even in that play against in the game against Edmonton, you know, he kind of got out-muscled in front of the net late in that third period. But the offensive upside and the puck-moving abilities are still there. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny. We talk about Laurie a whole lot this year, and I think if you sum up, like, all of my discourse around Laura, it probably seems like it's overly negative, and I, I don't want it to be that way, right? Because I think, like, you look at him – and, you know, how poised he's been at times this year. I mean, you look like his first game got called up was dynamite there. Again, mm-hmm. he has these these warts in his game that we all knew were going to be there. The guy started playing defense when he was fucking 16, right? Like, I know. he's still a work in progress, so, which is totally fine. So when you have games like Edmonton where you have a three-assist night, and yeah, he gets – he maybe gets out-muscled at the net front leading to that Hyman goal. Like, that's going to happen, but – all things considered, it's not like he's a net negative. It's not like it's like, oh, uh, I agree. You know, like, uh, like he's like Weidman out there. Where you're like, ah, I don't like when he's <laughs> when he's in the D zone at all. Crushing like, refs, <laughs> just yeah, absolutely bamboozling the refs. Right. Like, like again, like even with the the, the flaws in this game that you hope would get corrected. And again, he's already still a young player with not a lot of development time under his belt. Um. There's a lot to like about what he's provided uh, at critical moments to this team. Like, is offensive generation from the blue line the most pressing issue for this team? Not necessarily, but you'll take it. You'll take it when your defenseman's got a three-assist night. Um, yeah. And he's shown time and time again that he can step up when needed and contribute. So it's going to be fascinating to see just how this final stretch of the year goes from, right? Because, like, could he be a, a trade ship? I'm sure there'd be a lot of teams that would love to have him. I don't think the Bruins are necessarily uh looking to to move a six five puck moving defenseman for for what he brings um yeah could he be fighting for a spot in the playoffs like could he be doing all these things like i mentioned this talking with ty anderson on one of our last podcasts it's like yes people look at like all right if lindholm's injured you want to bring up like a guy you want to look for a guy like hannafin you want to look at a guy like middleton if this is the year where you already are up against the cap you don't have a lot of resources and it's kind of that bridge year where you got to let things kind of play itself out. Maybe this is the year you let Mason Lorey take his lumps and hopefully thrive in the playoffs with 18, 19 minutes a night. Like, again, maybe this is the time to see how he does. Like I mentioned the fact that in 08, Krejci wasn't necessarily supposed to be in the playoff lineup, but Brocheron was dinged up. Savard was hurt, came back late, but Krejci played like 18, 19 minutes as a young player in 08, held his own and then came out the next year and had, a 70 point season, right? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that's what Laurie's going to have, but he benefited a whole lot from that kind of trial by fire. So, um, as much as I think I've been kind of uh, pumping the brakes on Laurie this year, like, I think a lot should be said about how well he's accelerated his timeline from where we was going into training camp and just what he's provided the times this year. Cause it's hard to ignore the, the skill. The skill is absolutely there. And Oh, yeah. With more reps, you, you imagine he's gonna he's gonna fill out the rest of his overall game there, and if he does that, he's got a pretty freaking dynamic top four defenseman for the long haul here. I was gonna say, I mean, you look at just some of the passes he makes, you know, just smart heads up offensive plays, and the confidence too, like joining the rush, uh, having chances in overtime. I think that's another big part of it. Like he's not afraid to go to the net. He's not afraid. Uh, to go down deep in, in the offensive zone or make the or take an extra second to make a pass leaving his own zone. And those are really good signs of a young defenseman. And you mentioned the trial by fire thing. Uh, the recent example was Charlie McAvoy in 2017 against the Senators. Like that was the recent example where 
you know, he had ne- he came right out of college. Like Lowry at least has a runway of a season. Uh, he's he's now he's facing McDavid. Um, he's played a, a good amount of minutes up here. McAvoy was just tossed in. Like, dude, we got nobody else. Like, you have to play. Yeah, you've got to run our top power play. Um, and I think Lowry can bring that. And I think for what Hampus Lindholm provided you, you know, is Lowry as good in his own zone as Lindholm? No. But the puck moving elements and the offensive elements, I mean, I, you can make an argument the offensive elements, the offensive ceiling is higher for Lowry than it is for Lindholm. Um, and again, it's close. One's an NHL veteran who's making a lot of money, the other's a rookie. But I do think that you you have something with Lowry. And I, that's why I'm, I'm with you. I'm fascinated and curious to see kind of how Lowry's um, role evolves in these in this in these last couple months because he's going to get a lot of opportunity. You know, I mean, whether it's being up here as a third pairing guy, uh, whether it's, you know, a guy like Grizzly going down like in Edmonton and then Lowry, you know, eating a lot of those minutes. Um, so I think he's going to have a lot of uh, chances here. And you touched on it there with Noah Hannafin. I mean, he's the big name everybody's talking about around here. Loco kid um, would be a great fit here. Your top four would be, you know, incredibly elevated going forward. Um, and I think the Hannafin Lowry thing is interesting because ideally, you, you'd rather not have Lowry on your third pair. I think like, that's not something you really want for your future. If Lindholm and Hannafin for the long haul, Lowry probably is a third pairing guy. So maybe he would make sense in a trade, but I don't want to trade Lowry. That's the other thing. Like, so that's why yeah. the hand deal to me, unless you can do that without giving up. I sound like a fan here. I was like, if, if you can do that trade without giving up a first Patra or Lowry, I'm cool with it, you know, but to me, yeah. I think you're doing no, that. I don't think that's happening. One or two or three of one or two of those three are going to Calgary in that deal. Hannafin is their number yeah. one guy. They're, re, they're they're trying to rebuild on the fly. Other teams have a lot. I don't know how you make a deal for Hannafin without a first round pick and or Patra and or Lowry. Like I, I don't know how you I don't, do that. I know you wrote about him today. I don't think you do. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think you do. I think it has to be at the very least has to be a twenty twenty five first, and then I can't see any situation where the team, the Bruins, have a, a player on their roster with term young to give to a team like Calgary that's clearly rebuilding. Like, yeah, you can mention DeBrus, who's a free agent at the end of this year. People mention like Olmark. I don't know what that's going to do for a team in Calgary. It's going to rebuild. Like, <laughs> and need, is he really going to accept the talent. trade to Calgary? So I mean, come it's on, it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So it has to be, I think, a first in 2025 and at least one of Laura and Potter. I can't see any situation where at least two of those three are not getting moved in, in that deal. If you're Cal- I mean, if you're the Bruins, you love that. It's not the case. But if you're Calgary and you're rebuilding, you need that. You, you There's not enough on the Bruins roster that fits what you're looking for in terms of a long-term rebuild that's not one of those two young players. Not that we're flames beat, but I remember saying this a lot. You and I both said this like last year when Huberto and um, Uyghur were traded there. And we were like, trade, like if you're Calgary, trade those guys at the deadline last year and make a, and you get a ton, you get a haul, you'll rebuild your team in like one month. Um, And they kept them. And now they're going to rebuild with those guys on the roster. And Huberto's kind of regressed a bit. And so, you know, but, Again, I don't see a situation which Omar is going to to Calgary. Like you got first of all, he's got to accept that trade. <laughs> like the, yes. it's a no. Tra- is it a no movement or no trade? I forget. It's a no trade, right? Fifteen team, no, no trade. trade. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's like a fifteen or sixteen no trade, and 
like, are we convinced that Calgary is is on the t- on the list of teams he wants to go to? Like, I, I don't know. Um, and they also have Markstrom there, unless they deal Markstrom. Um, you know, again, so I, I to me, I agree with you, and I don't want to give up a first. I don't want to give up Lowry or Patra at this deadline. I just don't want to do it. And I know the East is wide open. I know you, you know, you want to have an arms race with the lightning. You don't want Hannafin to go to the Panthers or the lightning. I get that. It's all valid, but I do think you have, you have some pieces here for the future that I don't know if you want to give up on because, you know, un, like I think the, the key with Patra and Lowry, we talk about this with prospects all the time, right? Like a Stednika, um, Ryan Donato, some of these prospects who, you know, are so hyped up at the at, at the prospect level, you know, when they're in Providence or they're in college. It's like, you know, we don't want to deal them. But we always talk about with prospects, you need to know when to keep them and when to trade them. And with Patra and Lowry, they've both shown you a lot at the NHL level. There's promise there. These are not just guys who are going to be in your bottom six or your bottom pairing on D. These are guys who have that ceiling of, oh, my God, they could be franchise players. I don't want to trade those guys from what I've seen from low Ryan and Patra. I don't have any desire to trade them uh, because of that. So um, if Hannafin's there in the off season, we'll be leading the charge saying, by God, please go sign this guy. Um, but at this deadline, I just, I don't know. I want to see what we got out of low ride the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, anyways, Connor, first of all, feel better. Second off, uh, what can the people look forward to from you as you uh, fight adversity? Fight through adversity uh, for the globe and uh, Boston.com. Yes, uh, I will continue to drink my orange juice, pop a few emergency, all those good things. And as I do that and recover, I will uh, do what I can to keep everyone up to date throughout the season with game recaps, features, columns, breakdowns. As you said, we have a thing on looking at the pros and cons of a Hannafin trade up now on the site. Um, We'll have more throughout the the weeks leading up to the trade deadline. So you can find all my stuff over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That is Connor Ryan. I am Evan Marinovsky, Burns Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wings.